you from Brooklyn, New York. I'm Lisa Butterworth, and this is Caught Red-Handed. Welcome to the Caught Red-Handed podcast. You're listening to episode 19, and this is part two of the Mixmaster mixtape series. I hope you're getting as much out of this series as I am. I keep wanting to mix henna, even though I don't really need any more paste, and my freezer is really filling up with paste. The main point that keeps being made by all of my guests in one way or another is that experimentation is key. None of these seasoned artists that I have interviewed arrived at their recipe the first time or even the 10th time that they mix their paste. And you'll see from this interview as well, many of them are still working on the recipe, trying new things and always tweaking it to get it perfect. I also keep experimenting. I still use henna, water, sugar, and kajaput, but I play around with the proportions a lot and also play around with the timing just to see what will happen. I usually make small batches and I think that's the best way to do it if you're going to be experimenting. I apologize for the delay getting this episode out to you all. I blame the delay on my debilitating addiction to my favorite soap opera, The World Cup. It has consumed my life for the last month and uh, pretty much used up all of the free time that I would normally spend working on the podcast. Every World Cup grabs me more strongly than the last because I have a lot more loyalties. And I'm sure because henna is such an international art, some of you are also suffering from the same thing. As I grow older, travel more, and meet more people, I gain a lot of new allegiances, which can be a little bit tricky when the World Cup comes around. This year, the U.S. team did better than ever, so I was rooting for them. And then Algeria made it in, and I had to support them because I lived in Algeria for about a month, and also because they were just really awesome. My dad married a Mexican woman a while ago, and I have a little brother from that union, so now I have to support Mexico, plus their goalie was amazing, so that made it even more of a necessity. Uh, And then when Mexico played Holland, I suffered because I lived in Holland as a kid, so I have an allegiance to Holland as well. Colombia also had a special place in my heart because I have several Colombian friends. I also have a friend who lives in Medellin, Colombia, and I traveled there recently and really fell in love with it. So I had to follow them. And then Costa Rica was playing really well, so I started rooting for them. But then they played against Greece, and I have family connections in Greece. So in general, it was very confusing and thus very consuming. Um, And that is why the podcast was delayed. I hope that you were also tied up watching the matches and just didn't even have any time to miss the podcast. As you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and a lot of them are comedy podcasts. And at the beginning of each of these, the comedian gives a list of the dates of where they'll be performing. So I am very excited to finally be able to emulate my all of my uh, role models out there and tell you where I will be, quote-unquote, performing. Um, it was just announced that I will be teaching at this year's Hennecon. The Hennecon will be held on October 17th, 18th, and 19th of this year, 2014, in Camarillo, California. You can register online at hennacon.com. That's H-E-N-N-A-C-O-N is in nancy.com. I'm going to be teaching a new Moroccan class with my friend and favorite henna scholar, Noam Sienna. That should be really fun. I'm also going to be doing a live podcast at the con. It's not going to be broadcast live, but it will be recorded live. I'll tell you more details about both of these in future episode. For now, just register as soon as you can so you don't miss out. And again, it's hennacon.com. There are a ton of great teachers this year. So when you go to the website, check out the list. I can't list them all here, but I'm really excited to meet them. And I'm also looking forward to meeting all of you at the con as well. So let's go ahead and get to the episode and listen to Kanchen, Darcy, and Harold talk about how they make their henna paste. Enjoy. So Kanchen, could you just tell me your name so that I can pronounce it correctly? Just tell me your whole name. Yeah, my name is Kanchen Kapadne. Okay. All right. And where are you based? I'm based in California, San Francisco Bay Area. Oh, okay. So you know that whole uh the whole Nita Darcy Sonia, yeah. everyone. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a lot of good henna artists all in one yeah. place. Yeah. <laughs> Sonia, I don't know Sonia, but yeah, I I um you know, Nita and me meet quite often. I meet oh, nice. uh 
a hero, Darcy. Yeah, yeah. yeah Darcy, I met a couple of times. Oh, nice. uh, yeah, but yeah, we have lots of good artists here. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a nice concentration. Yeah. But so, did you know, we have the competition here. I mean, we are not like, uh, we don't, we are not afraid of each other or we don't hate each other. We always yeah. get together. Yeah, we have nice. parties together. Now, yeah. Anita had organized cone rolling party before <laughs> before the season starts and we oh, all that's cute. together and oh, everyone got 200 cones to take home oh, that God. was yeah that that was kind of nice oh that's a really cool idea I like that mm. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about henna mixing so mm -hmm. first thing i want to know are just a list of the ingredients that you use and you can go ahead and tell me whatever brand names you use i think New people, mm. new people who are new to henna will find that interesting to know what kind of brands people like. Um, I don't really um, use any particular brand or any particular supplier from U.S. Uh, but uh, anyone who wants to buy henna, I usually refer them to uh, Henna Caravan, mm -hmm. then Darcy, that's Henna Guru or Henna Lounge dot com. Mm -hmm. And then um, mag uh, magical, um, magical Mindy, uh, Justin's friend, magical oh, Mindy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Magical yeah. Those are the three suppliers that I know them very personally. Use their products during oh. the conference. So people who are willing to buy in US, those are the three uh, suppliers I usually refer them to. And where do you get your henna? Do you import it yourself from India? Um, I make a trip to India every now and then, almost every year or once in a two years, and nice. I get enough uh, supply for you know a couple of years. Oh, cool! Now my parents are visiting, so they brought some. With oh, them. nice! Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. And then, um, what what kind of liquid do you use? I use um, most of my liquid is water, tap water. And I add, you know, 10% of lemon juice, uh -huh. 10 or 20, probably. I, I just, you know, uh, I don't have proper recipe. I don't measure everything. I just eyeball and put Yeah, it. That, that was one of my questions was how, how you measure it. <laughs> no, I don't measure it. I just scoop it out, put it in there. I just see the, you know, just, you know, I just see, you know, I think that is enough and I stopped. <laughs> yeah, you just get a feel for it after a yeah, while, yeah, after many yeah. times practicing. Yeah. And then um, do you use sugar in your paste? Yes, I, I put sugar in my paste quite a bit un unless I feel it is uh, stringy enough. Uh -huh. that it, it has to, I scoop it up. When yeah. Next day, next day though. I, I, put, I put everything together, like uh -huh. water. And then I put a little bit of lemon juice, sugar, and uh, essential oils. And, oh, I, and then uh, I use uh, a little bit of tea tree. And I recently got geranium rose oil. Oh, and, nice. and I use uh, some eucalyptus too. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a nice mixture. Yeah. And then I mix it up and let it sit overnight with the lumps. And then next morning, most of the lumps are gone. And then yeah. I just whip it up and see the consistency and the stringiness. And I, I add just the stringiness and the consistency in the morning. Yeah. So what um, what temperature is your liquid when you add it? Is it room temperature? Or yes. Hot? Room temperature. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And, um, and then uh, what do you use to mix? You said that you mix it up. Or you whip it up? Do you use a like a uh, an electric hand mixer? No, I just uh, use spoon. Oh wow! Yeah. How big are your batches when you mix them up? No, I beat, I um, I my batches are quite small, small oh, okay. quantity. Like I usually mix it in in uh, that the ziplock uh, container, ziplock uh -huh. or glad container. I have it, and oh, okay. so depending on the. Uh, my bookings that week so like this week i had uh two days i had three events so mm -hmm. i you know um mixed the whole box of henna the box of uh, glad and uh, not the henna yeah. box yeah uh, i understand yeah so it is i guess two cups uh, three cups 
three oh. cups like three or four i i really don't don't i just i'm really bad at making yeah no it's it's kind of like you, how your mother probably cooks like a little bit of this and a pinch of yeah. that and a handful of yeah. this yeah yeah so i have small carrot bags so it was uh two bad carrot bags full mm-hmm. so that, that was okay. that was enough. yeah i can picture that mm. and um so when you make these small batches you do it just for those clients you don't freeze the henna and then just pull the henna out of the freezer and use it for a client um for a small like small appointments individual appointment if someone um wants really a couple of designs or small design or half an mm-hmm. hour uh, appointment then i use those frozen uh, leftover oh, okay. but yeah. i try to use it up um uh, if if i if i have i tr- I um uh, soak the henna uh, enough for the appointments and you know to back up you have to have some extra henna with you when you go to the appointment. Right, right. So that henna I use it up uh, when I go to the next event later yeah. I freeze it and then I use it up. And then you go back to it. Yeah. yeah. I do I do freeze uh, uh leftover henna but it's not like I uh, so I uh, make the big batch and freeze it and use it for a month or two months. Oh, I don't okay. do that. You just mix for each client, basically, yeah. or for the week's clients. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's what I do, too. But everybody that I've been interviewing so far is saying that they make these huge batches of, you know, hundreds of grams of henna at, at a time. And that's so foreign to me. You know what? Then I get really panicked whether my pest will stain or yes. not, whether the yes. dye is yeah good enough or mm-hmm. so i don't want i don't want to go through that stress over and over it's just me i i don't i'm not saying that it is wrong but yeah. it just to me it's my it's psychology you, yeah. yeah yeah definitely and if you're doing a small batch and you screw it up it's no not much of a loss but all right 400 grams it's really a lot to screw up <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> yeah how long do you let it sit after you do the initial mix um, I usually soak my henna, uh, the night before, mm-hmm. if I have appointment in the morning or in uh, next day evening, doesn't matter. I just, at least 12 hours, I guess, eight to, mm-hmm. eight to 12 hours. Oh, okay. And then, um, so you're pretty, you're pretty, um, do you do anything to test for dye release or you just kind of know the timing of your henna and you don't really think about it? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't test it unless it's, uh, if I'm trying a new supplier or trying the henna, then I don't even use it on the client, but I don't, I don't, I can, um, you know, you can see the change in the color. The right. On the surface and the, of the paste. Yeah. yeah. Because the uh, container I use it, uh, use is uh, transparent, so I can see the dye release around oh, there. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. And then what about consistency? How do you test the consistency of the paste? When I scoop it up the spoon, and mm-hmm. then I let it drop yeah. from the distance in the uh, in the paste again, and mm-hmm. that's where it's, if it's dropping too fast, then it's runnier. Yeah. Yesterday, I had to, I had to add... Um, so uh, a spoonful of uh, henna powder into it. Oh, when I have to do that. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't happen quite often. But yeah. you know, uh, these days we are into uh, those uh, golf style designs and um, we, we try yeah. to make those thick lines and thin lines. So those thick, you know, petals and all those things, they mix together. Yes. But I'm glad I'm glad I added that spoonful of uh, henna powder into it yeah. because it worked out <laughs> so well. I did very fine work and it did not run away. I did thick uh, um, petals as well and it, it did not get and mixed they held up. up. Oh, that's good. Yeah. When you're testing consistency, you just do it in the bowl. Do you ever or do you ever put it into a cone and just try it through a cone and see if it's the right consistency? No, no, I don't do that. I'm a lazy head. I don't do that. <laughs> and do you think that's also maybe a question of experience? Like, you know, from how it looks dripping off the spoon, what it's going to be like when it's. Yeah. 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 So if it's people... dropping too fast, then it's earlier. It is going to get mixed up. Basically, you know, uh, it's okay on the palms, but on the backside of your hands or on the feet, 
Um, the skin is a little loose there, and as you move your fingers, everything, you know, the whole skin moves, and the whole design gets mixed up, you know, everything yeah. is blended in. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So if it's too thin, it just kind of melts. And yeah, yeah. Even though, together. you know, I, I try to give uh, uh, instruction to my clients if they're getting getting it done, you know, opposite side of the palms, and I tell them not to move your fingers or you know, you yeah. don't use your hands until it gets a little dry. Yeah. But it's hard to make them do that. <laughs> yeah. Of course. In the party, especially. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so if you had maybe just like a small amount of advice for newbies, like maybe three really important things for newbies who are just learning to mix henna, what would you suggest? Um, I would suggest them to... Uh, play with the consistency mm -hmm. that what works for them because what works for me uh, not necessarily it will work for you so yeah. you know try uh, what works for you because I have a tendonitis on my hand so uh, I use little little softer paste in a little runnier not too runny but you know it should not put any pressure on your hand when you're you know pushing that uh, henna out of the cone yeah, that is the first thing because you have to take care of your body. So it shouldn't be <laughs> that thick that you have hard time pushing it out. Mm -hmm. And uh, another thing is, you know, try to use fine powder and yeah. train strain your lemon juice if you're using fresh or bottled bottled one. Yeah, just strain so those little bits floating around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have had that problem that sometimes you know cone gets clogged with yeah. The, uh, yeah with the fibers and the lemon juice and what else that's okay if you can't think of yeah yeah that does <laughs> yeah basically consistency is the uh, key your paste is a key you know that, that encourages you if you have tried consistency and good paste you know finely sifted powder then you know if it's flowing faster and easier it's not straining you. It encourages you to practice. Yeah, that's true. And it also allows your creativity to flow much more, I think. Right, right. You don't get frustrated, basically. Yeah. And you don't have to even think about the paste at all. You just start henning. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So play so, and uh, experiment with it. It doesn't hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very good advice. I like that. So uh, my last question is, I want to know how you feel when you're mixing henna or what thoughts are going through your he head when you're mixing henna? Um, first thing is that uh, whether, you know, the oil that I'm a little bit worried about if it's too much or too less. If it is too less, then I'm always worried about that, whether it will stain good or not. Yeah. And if it is too much, then it might irritate and, you know, it's, the henna starts spreading on your skin if it's too much oil then that oil spreads in your you know on on your skin so yeah, yeah, those exactly. are the you know that is my uh, main focal point of you know adding oil yeah even though i don't measure it but i try to put enough uh, from smell i i just get the idea if it is too much or too less the right. smell of smell of the paste if it's bothering you then i just you know i think it's too much and if it's not smelling enough, then I think yeah. it's good. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what are the emotions that you feel when you're mixing henna? Oh, emotions. Not really. Nothing much. <laughs> no, I'm not emotionally <laughs> does, it, does it remind you of your childhood or, I don't know, do the smells make you um, think of anything? <laughs> no, you know what? Um, as a child, I used to hate henna. I used, you used to I, hate it? I used to hate it, yeah. Oh. I Because my mom used to put, you know, those round you know, blobs on her hand. She loves it. Yeah. My mom loves oh, it. Any nice. kind of henna, you just, you know, um, put anything on her hand, she'll be happy. She'll oh, be really happy. But I, I never liked the, the look of the paste, and I did not. I, I cannot take the smell um, when it, smell of the stain. So, oh. but my, when my... Um, Uncle got married and knew uh, auntie came in. She used to draw with toothpick and that interest, that got me interested in henna. Oh, 
and i was like oh those designs are so pretty i want to learn it <laughs> yeah but while mixing the henna i don't i'm not really emotionally attached because i mix it every week i guess yeah that's true <laughs> But at least you don't hate it anymore, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, but I I hardly put it on myself. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, why's that? Just because of the smell and my hands are always, you know, dirty with you know, those henna spots that yeah, while hennaing. I'm I'm not very clean person, so <laughs> mehndi is all over my hands and <laughs> sometimes on my clothes too. <laughs> yes, I understand that definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and let me interview you. It's been really interesting hearing how you mix henna. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was nice talking to you and hearing yeah. your voice again. I know. It's great. It's great hearing your voice for the first time. I'm sure you've heard mine before, but <laughs> I, I only see your voice when you type on uh, Facebook. So oh. it's good to hear your actual voice. <laughs> All right. Uh, it was okay. nice talking to you, too. Yeah, same here. Uh, and good night. Okay. Thanks. Good night. Mm-hmm. Bye, Kanchan. Bye. Bye, Lisa. So I am here with Darcy. Darcy, can you just say your full name for our listeners? Darcy Vasudev. Alrighty. And you're also at hennalounge.com, hennaguru.com. That's right. And you're in San Francisco. That's right. All right. So we are here talking about mixing. And so I want to start out just asking you what your ingredients are in your paste and go ahead and use brand names, even if they're your own. (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, I'm using my own uh, henna powder and it's supposedly organically grown in Rajasthan. (laughs) Um, And it's under the henna guru brand, which I create created myself. Um, So that's the first ingredient is 2013 November harvest um, Rajasthani grown henna. Um, It's grown in a little area called Sojat, which is kind of near Jodhpur. It's famous for their henna growing. That's all they do. It's a monoculture. Um, (laughs) And then I use sugar. Sometimes it's organic, sometimes it's C&H, but I always use cane sugar. Okay. Um, and I use water out of my tap. Um, my tap water comes out at neutral, 7.0 pH. Oh, okay. um, it's basically glacial melt water, um, and it, that comes from up near Yosemite. Oh, okay. And then... I use essential oils, and I've been using an Australian-grown tea tree that's uh, very high in terpenials, and I've been using a Bulgarian lavender. Sometimes I add some cardamom, frankincense, um, or a little bit of geranium. I really like cardamom and frankincense. They're really expensive, but yeah. they they it's do nice. offer a wonderful aroma, and they also are really great for the stain enhancement. Yeah, definitely. And so those your are workhorses, um, tea tree. Yeah, that's definitely my workhorse. Yeah. And then what temperature is your liquid at when you mix? It's room temperature. So I'd say it's about 75 to 80 degrees. Okay. And when you are mixing up your henna, are you actually using measuring cups and measuring spoons or are you kind of eyeballing it? I'm eyeballing it. Um, So I usually mix up about 300 grams of henna at a time in my KitchenAid mixer. Uh And then um, I've been putting approximately two tablespoons of sugar per 100 grams. So I would put six, uh, you know, tablespoons of sugar for 300 grams. And I then put about... 90 milliliters of essential oil. So I guess it is somewhat measured. Oh, yeah. uh, the, the liquid is not measured at all. Um, I just have a cup and I keep refilling it with water and dumping it in until I get the consistency that I want. Gotcha. Yeah. And I, I do mix it up thick first. So mm-hmm. it makes a quite a thick paste, like almost like a dough. And I mm-hmm. let, let it sit for a little while so that the liquid can just absorb. And then I'll thin it out and add the essential oils later. Oh, you don't add the essential oils right away? Not right away. I like to let the liquid absorb for about at least half an hour, an hour first. Oh, okay. Uh, 
it just is to reduce my work. Um, if when I'm doing it in the mixer, it's not as important, but sometimes when I'm traveling and I need to mix it by hand, it just takes a lot of the stirring work out of it for me. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. When you're mixing a big batch, you're using your KitchenAid and what about with a small batch? What kind of vessel, what kind of tools are you using? When I'm mixing a small batch, I usually am on the road. So I usually end up either borrowing a bowl or finding like an empty yogurt container and then, you know, borrowing a spoon or chopstick or something like that. So I just use whatever I have on hand. Uh, You don't bring that stuff with you? I have before and then I realized that it just took up too much space in my luggage and I like to travel very light. (laughs) So yeah, usually I'm able to find some kind of empty plastic container and just do it in that. Yeah. And, um, with, I think when people are first learning to do henna, one of their big challenges is consistency. And I know I, I get a lot of questions about that from my students. And I just wonder how you test your consistency. How do you know it's just right? It's a good question because sometimes I think it's just right and then I'll realize that I've added too much sugar. Um, but usually the way I, t- I test it is by letting it kind of drip off of a spoon and... I'm looking for something a little bit thinner than brownie batter. So sometimes brownie batter, you kind of have to spread it into the pan and that's just too thick. Yeah. And cake batter can be almost too runny because you're really pouring it into the pan. So it's almost somewhere between brownie batter and cake batter. Gotcha. And do you ever just put it in a cone? Just put a little bit in a cone and see how it comes out of a cone? No. Just do it all by (laughs) eye. (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that would be laziness or pretty much supreme confidence or a combination of yeah. the two. <laughs> yeah, I think because I've been mixing henna for for so many years, um I just I usually know that it's going to be fine, except that sometimes I mess it up when I'm in Mexico because I'll end up putting the same amount of sugar that I use at home and it'll just continue to absorb liquid out of the atmosphere there. Oh, so yeah much more um, humid in Mexico, right? Right. So the paste will be the perfect consistency and I, I'll forget to cover it or something. And then I'll go look at it, you know, half an hour later and it'll be soup. Ugh. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Those are good things to remember. Like one, uh, one person I interviewed moved from Sacramento to Chicago and she had to really change her mix to accommodate the right. humidity. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And then what about dye release? Are you timing it? Are you eyeballing it? Or do you just know when it's ready? Well, I am of the belief that there's not really such a thing as dye release per se. The dye is always there. There's not like a moment. Yeah, Yeah, there's not a moment. (laughs) Um, The dye is always there. And when you are working with fresh henna leaves, you just crush them up and smear it on your skin. It's ready immediately. Yeah. So in my opinion, as soon as the liquid is absorbed, the henna is ready to be used. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am mixing with water, not lemon juice, which I feel may act as a sort of preservative. Mm. So as far as I'm concerned, once all the lumps are out of the henna, you can put it on your skin. And so, do, you, do you test it or anything? Do you? And, and at what point are... Is it ready for you? I am ready to use my henna about two hours from the beginning of my mixing process. So the first hour I'm letting the liquid, the majority of the liquid absorb, and then I add essential oil and I let it sit a little bit longer. And then I spend a good amount of time getting the rest of the, uh, you know, inconsistencies out of the henna at the rest of the lumps or unstirred bits. And then after that, I'm ready to use it. Oh, okay. And yeah, I might, if I'm testing a new batch of henna powder, I might do a little test on my finger to see if it's good. And I can usually tell actually by even just looking at the powder itself. Mm-hmm. So it's not really a necessary thing, but sometimes I get that satisfaction out of saying, wow, this is going to have a really great stain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always love that when you're doing henna for somebody else and they're sitting there and the henna scrapes off a little bit or cracks and you see that bright orange underneath. Yes, yes. It's the... And then I tell the client, I'm like, that's a really good sign. And they're like, really? It just looks orange to me. And I'm like, no, you have no idea. <laughs> so some people are really impressed even by just that orangey color. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And so when you make these huge batches, are you freezing the henna? 
Uh, yeah, usually I'm freezing it, but sometimes I have to make a big batch to sell to somebody. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I may freeze some of it or I may be shipping some of it out. And if you're freezing it for your own use, do you freeze it in a carrot bag or do you cone it and then freeze those? I usually cone up about 20 of them and then I get lazy and decide I'm just going to put the rest in carrot bags and yeah. freeze those. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of work to just cone so much, Hannah. It is. And then when you are, are freezing those cones, how do you wrap them up? Do you have a special way of wrapping them up for the freezer? Well, I've been using Mylar for my cones, and I feel like it's not it's not letting any sort of oxygen through, which is what I would like mm -hmm. um, it to do. They're, they're doing their job. Mm -hmm. um, because I've noticed when I use polypropylene or cellophane that my cones seem to, I don't know, the henna and oil seem to separate or behave oddly. Mm -hmm. um, so when I, I've noticed when I freeze it in Mylar that I really get a very consistent sort of texture even when I unfreeze it again. Oh, okay. That's nice to know. But do you wrap them up in any way or that's... Oh, no. Actually, I stick them in a in a old Indian food takeout container. <laughs> <laughs> and if I'm feeling motivated, I label the container and say, like, which essential oils I used in that particular mix. Or if I have multiple crops of henna paste in my fridge like if I'm in a transition period or testing a new batch or something then I'll label yeah. that if it's a new batch or if I'm using a Moroccan henna instead of the my usual Rajasthani henna yeah it's important it's a lot of stuff in the freezer you're just like what is this yeah food and, and henna <laughs> exactly and I have two shelves for henna in there and one of the top shelf is the top shelf <laughs> and <I keep laughs> my my really good mixes up there and then the bottom shelf I is like leftover henna or like unknown henna and I use that in my hair oh okay yeah well that's a good idea yeah so if you had any advice for newbies could you just narrow it down to like three pieces of key advice for newbies about mixing henna well, I think the first thing I would say is that the internet has kind of created this weird rabbit hole of lemon juice mm -hmm. where because of a certain someone in the early internet days posting their their recipe and it has lemon juice in it, everyone who discovered henna on the internet is using this lemon juice-based recipe and I feel it doesn't really represent the henna community in the more global sense because yeah. lemon juice is not really a traditional ingredient in yeah. henna mixes. Yeah. And my recommendation would be that people should try it with water. Mm -hmm. And then if they feel like they're not getting a good stain or they'd like to experiment with other ingredients and then, then they can move on to their teas or their... Yeah. You know, tea and clove concoctions or lemon right. juice or apple mm -hmm. juice or vinegar or wine or Coca-Cola, what have you. But I well, think the, it, the, the essence of henna is really just to reconstitute the leaves. Yeah, by whatever means necessary. Right. Normally reconstitution is done with water because that's the, yeah. the, the part of the leaf that is now missing. They've exactly. been dried. So yeah, now the water exactly. is gone. So yeah. let's add back <laughs> just add water exactly instant <laughs> <laughs> um you'll be happy to know that a majority of the people i interviewed for the podcast use water that's interesting yeah, yeah i definitely feel like the professional community has kind of gone to, toward water um maybe yeah. they started with water and then moved to lemon and then moved back to water yeah um, and then i feel like a lot of beginners have kind of encountered these internet recipes and sort of so they don't really have any real life experience to base their mixing on. So yeah. they end up in that, well, the lemon juice rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. And but yes, that makes me happy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and um, any other key points for newbies? About paste mix mixing in yeah. particular? Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I think the if they're using cones, then 
they can get away with a little bit thicker paste. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd say in general, most newbies should try to mix their paste a little bit thinner than they think they should, mm -hmm. because probably the number one problem I see with newbie designs is that they look kind of thick and chunky. And it's usually because the paste is a little bit too thick. Right. And so I would suggest airing on the side of making it the paste a little bit thin. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, one can always have a little extra powder and thicken their paste back up if they want to. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like working with a really thick paste is just a sort of a futile effort. It just gives a really poor looking result and yeah. kind of a frustrating result. And it yeah, it's very frustrating. You don't feel like your designs are flowing. So you exactly. think you're a bad artist. And, and not only that, but because it doesn't stick as well because it's drying quickly and crumbling off more quickly, the yeah. stains are probably not as good and people might be mistaking not leaving the paste on for a bad quality henna. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Um, so have you, do you have any henna mixing disaster stories? Yes. <laughs> wow, you said that so quickly. <laughs> yes, I have, I have a recent disaster. So, no. so people who know me know that I like to travel very light. And mm -hmm. I've been traveling to Mexico a lot, as you know, um, mm -hmm. for these destination weddings. And I thought, you know what? I'm only going to bring one packet of henna this time. I know I know that I'm not going to need more. I know that I don't have other people who are going to be haranguing me for more henna design. So I was in my room, and I mixed up this beautiful, silky batch of henna, and I didn't put the lid of my container all the way on, and I went out and got a taco or something, came back, and my paste was soup Ugh. because I had used a little bit more sugar than I should have. It the weather had that morning was like really nice and dry. And then um, while I was out getting my tacos, it started to become a little bit more humid. So I came back, I'd left the windows in my room open. I don't like air conditioning or anything. I came back to soupy henna and having no backup powder. Oh my God. And I thought, Oh my God, what am I going to do? <laughs> and so what I did is I turned the air conditioning on in my room because the air conditioning usually kind of dr dries things out yeah, a bit. Yeah. Then I like spread the henna really thin over the container that I was using. So mm -hmm. it kind of coated the walls of the container with the henna and tried to let it dry out a bit and then stir <laughs> stirred it back in and then spread it over the walls of the container again oh, and then wow. stirred it back in. And I did that a number of times, probably spent maybe like, <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing, but about two hours oh, trying to <laughs> trying to thicken my paste. Necessity is definitely the mother of invention. Like you're yeah. like, oh, okay, what? How do you dehumidify something? Let's see. Right. <laughs> and um, it was actually kind of working. And I also considered like maybe trying to go to an herb store and get some sort of powder powdery substance. Yeah. No, but I didn't want to dilute my henna with some unknown substance and yeah. I didn't change the consistency of it drastically. Yeah. So my hen is never really, it was definitely a better consistency, but it was still a little bit runnier than I preferred. Yeah. And I went and did the henna and it was staining really nicely and the bride was sitting still and which was great, but it was her first time ever getting henna. And she said, wow, I didn't have any idea that henna was so liquidy. <laughs> and I was like, like yeah, oh, me either. Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> if only you knew how that, liquid it could be. <laughs> <laughs> so I just kind of like played it cool and, you know, was really careful. I used a much thinner hole in my cone than normal. Yeah. Try not but, to get those lines too close to each other where they just meld into each exactly. other. Exactly. Oh. Uh, so that was a, a disaster. And it actually really shook me up because I thought, oh, my God, I'm supposed to be a professional. And here I am, like, doing a total, like, rookie move. So yeah. it was a hum very humbling experience. Yeah, it makes you realize how complacent you can be. Yeah, not just that, but just the variables, like how just such a subtle thing, like even like maybe half a teaspoon too much sugar can ch totally change the consistency of the yeah. paste. Yeah. So I can really have a lot of sympathy for people who are just starting out with their yeah. mixing process, really yeah. struggling to get that Definitely. perfect mix. And it's also a good reminder, you know, you were saying to mix your paste a little bit thin, when you're first starting out but I would say also when you're mixing your paste 
the first mix should be kind of thick, as you mentioned, make it thick and get the proportions really good with that. And then just kind of tweak it a little bit. You know, don't just toss in a ton of water and then hope for the best. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I have varying advice. I guess it's, yeah, start starting out with a thick paste so that the liquid can really absorb and then thinning it it out slowly. Right. Uh, But also for newbies to probably overall make their henna a little bit more thin than they think they should. Yeah, definitely. So my last question is, what are the thoughts and emotions that you experience when you're actually mixing the henna? Well, when I'm mixing henna in the KitchenAid mixer, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're very different than when I'm mixing it love, <laughs> lovingly by hand. Yes. <laughs> um, so I really like the kind of industrial scale of mixing a big batch of henna in the KitchenAid. It makes yeah. me feel, I don't know, somehow professional. And, yeah. um, and then, but the act of mixing it by hand in a container that I salvaged from a Mexican kitchen is also very satisfying. Yeah. And it's just kind of meditative. I usually, I have this little portable shrine that I bring with me that I have incense and like a little tiny, tiny Tara sculpture and a bead that a friend gave me and like a little Indian box that's been decoupaged. Um, So I set up my little tiny portable shrine and I have my recycled yogurt container and a chopstick or a spoon and I spend you know all that time I spend stirring it by hand because there's no beater to beat it for me yeah um and I have burned the incense and listen to some music and it's really nice Oh, that's nice. kind of actually gets me back in touch with the like very early days of mixing henna yeah, before I went sure. like all industrial exactly. on it <laughs> Darcy's got her own bakery <laughs> it's funny yeah I like that image of henna as meditation yeah and also just knowing that I put elbow grease into it like the I really put like physical effort into making that henna yeah exactly yeah handmade yeah and making it especially for that one client yeah so yeah I like that I like that as well especially for brides it's like it's a very purposeful intentional thing it is and I also really enjoy using the more expensive oils for them so I like to put some frankincense or cardamom and it smells so good and a lot of the time it'll be the first time that they've ever smelled henna that they really like the smell yeah. of yeah especially Indian brides they're not used to the all of the essential oils we use here exactly yeah all right well that's it for my questions is there anything else that I didn't cover that you want to talk about when it comes to mixing um I would say maybe temperature in general, would be a, a question for some people. Um, because one thing that seems to happen is that people that live in, well, I feel like my house is a normal temperature, but I realize that it actually may be warmer than other people's homes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually about 78 or 80 degrees here in my apartment, even though San Francisco is kind of chilly outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked to some people that were having trouble with their supposed dye release mm-hmm. and it seems that their homes are quite a bit cooler, like maybe even in the 50s. Yeah. So I think that maybe people that are in a colder environment are going to need to let their paste sit a little bit longer or possibly use a warm liquid to get things started. Yeah, definitely. What about the whole idea of putting it under a lamp? Well, I mean, a lamp, if you're using one of those, like, uh, what is it, like a halogen bulb, they can generate a lot of heat. But yeah. now there's lots of the, you know, compact fluorescent bulbs, they generate almost no heat. So it yeah. might not really <laughs> helpful. It'll just light it up really nicely. Yeah, it looks <laughs> great. a good photo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm yeah, gonna... keeping it in a warmer environment could be helpful. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a good thing to remember. There's so many variables. And I think that's kind of a key too, is just look at the variables that you have in your environment and, and then be able to adjust. Right. And I think also limiting the number of variables if possible, because I notice one thing that people do is they'll make a paste and they'll have this variable and that variable, like they'll do it with lemon juice and leave it out for, you know, 24 hours. And then the next batch they do it with water and they do it 
keep it in the oven and they use a different essential oil and and then you can never compare the two unless you're doing side by side exactly a little batch with water a little batch with lemon a little batch heated a little batch not heated exactly so i feel like if people are having trouble with their pace that when their second try or their third try that they should only change one variable instead of changing three or four because then at least they'll know if it made a difference or not yeah yeah that's very true kind of like the elimination diet if you're allergic to if you think you might have a food allergy you just go down to basics and add on one new ingredient until you're exactly until you get a reaction yeah exactly good. all right well that's it thank you so much for in- letting me interview you and of uh, sharing your knowledge with us so i'm here with harold harold can you just say your full name for me Sure, it's Hiral Shah, but probably better known as Hiral Hanna in our community. Yeah, that's true. I know, I always think of your last name as Hanna, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for my regular listeners, they'll know that I think you were episode eight. So if anybody wants to go back and hear your, your full story, or at least your full Hanna story, they can go back to that episode and listen. So, um, and you're in the San Francisco area, right? Yes, I... I'm in Fremont right now, but yes, it's just generally better known as the Bay Area and okay. about 45 minutes away from San Francisco. Oh, okay. All right. So uh, we're here to talk about mixing henna. And um, if you could just start out by telling me what your ingredients are when you mix henna and go ahead and name brand names, things that you like a lot and go ahead and plug them. Okay. I actually just use henna that's from India. I just get it from a supplier directly over there. And I just mix it with bottled lemon juice Mm -hmm. and some water and essential oils, which um, I don't even remember all the different brands that I've used in the past, but I think now I just stick to buying them from New Directions. Okay. Yes. And then do you use sugar? I, you know, so I use sugar in Michigan, but mm-hmm. I actually stopped using sugar once I moved out here. So when I moved to California, um, I ended up experimenting a lot with my paste because obviously the climate is different. Yeah. And then I was living with Nita, so sometimes we would end up sharing our paste, and I realized that she actually doesn't put any sugar in her paste whatsoever, but it was still stringy, so then I just kind of stopped using the sugar because it wasn't necessary. Yeah. And then what about sealing? Do you usually seal it with lemon and sugar? Yes, yes, lemon juice and sugar. Yeah. Um, So when you put in the lemon juice, what temperature do you usually have it at? So that totally depends if I've slacked off and I (laughs) should have mixed my hen out earlier, then I'll heat it up a little bit. Uh Um, I mean, you know, I don't actually check the temperature or anything. No, but like hot, cold, warm. Yeah. Um, I usually just mix it up if I've made it well in advance like if it's like 24 hours before I act, I have the gig then I'll just mix it all up and I don't worry about the temperature but yeah if I waited like the night before or something then I'll just heat it up a little bit just to be on the safe side yeah get that thing going a little bit quicker yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when when you mix things up are you measuring it out exactly or are you just kind of putting in approximate measurements so I started out with a very, you know, with a very meticulous recipe. Um, mm-hmm. But so I, I do like to stick to my recipe and I'm still more comfortable, you know, sticking to that because I know that this will definitely work. But yeah. again, staying with Nita, I ended up just kind of throwing stuff in more. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't I don't even know why. I think actually it's because we started having like I, I was getting the powder in bulk more. Yeah. So I didn't have it pre-measured, whereas before when I was buying it from other suppliers within the U.S., I was getting like the 100-gram packets. So it was like pre-measured and it was easier to, right. you know, use all the measurements and make it that way. But here, since I was just doing like scoops of henna, I'm like, I don't right. know how many grams this is. <laughs> right, exactly. So I just kind of started feeling it out more. Yeah. And, um, and do you add the essential oils all at the same time along with everything else? I do. Like I said, I'm, I'm lazy. <laughs> a one-step process is better for yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. And, and I did, I mean, back in the day when I first started, I used to, you know, go back and add them in later. Yeah. And then I think 
Darcy was saying she always mixes everything together. Yeah, she does. Right? And I mean, I was just like, okay, if a lot of people do it, then maybe it's worth a try. And, you know, I didn't find any difference. So I just started mixing everything all at once and it works just fine. Yeah, I still do it in two steps and I don't know why. I learned it so long ago. It's kind of like, you know, some myth from a time before I was born or something. Like, this is how you have to do it. Yeah, I think the only thing is like if I heat up the lemon juice, then, you know, I'll go ahead and mix the henna into that first. Mm-hmm. And then I'll add the essential oils a little bit later because cool obviously it's you don't want to heat up the essential oils. So yeah, yeah exactly. I just wait a little bit, but not, I mean, once you add the henna and it kind of becomes room temperature anyway. Yeah. And then uh, how big are your batches usually? It depends on how much henna I have going on that week, but... Lately, it seems like I make 200 grams at a time, but sometimes if I don't have a whole lot, like I didn't have a lot this week, so I just made 100 grams. Yeah. But like I said, now it's just like I don't have it pre-measured, so it's just like scoops. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What kind of um, what kind of tools do you use to mix? Do you mix it by hand or electric mixer? So again, like I just learned so much from living with Nita, and Aww. I just saw that she would. Maybe we mix can all hers... just move in with her and I know, right? <laughs> follow her around all day. <laughs> you know, a lot of people actually do come and like visit her and shadow her for days at a time, oh, and she's just so generous with all her knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, so I, I, you know, all my like seven years of doing this professionally, or I guess it was six years till last year, I used to just mix it with a spoon because, Mm -hmm. you know, that just seems like the normal thing to do. And then I saw she mixes it with a butter knife. Wow. Which is actually a lot better because, you know, with the spoon, like your henna ends up kind of getting stuck in the little curves and stuff. Yeah. Which doesn't happen with a butter knife. So so funny. I've never heard of anyone mixing with a butter knife. (laughs) So it, it works it works better i think so oh, i cool. i actually stick to that now yeah i mix oh it up God. with that but then i go back to kind of thin it out a little bit and then i do use a little egg beater at that time oh, okay electric or yeah electric yeah. definitely oh, okay. yeah um and then for consistency is you know if you can think back to when you first started how difficult it was getting the right consistency so now that you're much more experienced, how do you how do you know when you have the right consistency? Uh, I think pretty much just like everyone else, I want it to fall off. So with the egg beater, when I mix it up, and I just keep beating it till it can, you know gets like very very creamy, mm-hmm. and then I sort of lift off the egg beater as it's mm-hmm. still on, mm-hmm. and I want the henna to be like fall off of the egg beater while it's lifting up yeah. because if it's still you know, if most of it is still on the egg beater, then it's too thick for me. Yeah. So I don't, it's really hard to explain. I don't yeah. know. No, that's, that's, uh, that's a pretty good explanation. And do you ever cone up a little bit just to see how the consistency is when you draw with a cone? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm so lazy. lazy. Yeah, lazy. No, I don't. Yeah. Like, this is what it, it's going to be like, you know, it, Whatever it is, I'll deal with it. It's just for the week anyway. It's yeah, okay. yeah, that's true. And do you ever freeze your henna? I used to a lot, but in just out here, I don't so much. I end up just using like fresh henna. I'll just mix it up if I need to. Yeah. I, I think that just because the volume of the henna I'm doing is so much more out here that I just You're use it, it out quickly. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. If I don't use it, then I just use it for practice or I'll just use it in my hair. Oh, yeah, that's true. If you had to just like have like three things that you think are the most important things for newbies to know about mixing henna, what would those three things be? I think definitely the most important thing is to buy good, natural, fresh quality henna mm-hmm. that um, comes from a reputable supplier that would definitely be the most important one. And then I think the second thing is to just play around with the recipes. I mean, everybody has their own preference, you know, and people, certain suppliers, like they will tell you, oh, no, like this is the best way. But just play around with it and have fun. I think it's um, an important thing to go through when you're first starting out, just so you can find your own comfort. And, you know, you might even like 
I had, I thought I had my comfort zone figured out. And then yeah. I moved here and then I, you know, used Nita's henna and I'm still trying to figure out like, I mean, I think I have my pace figured out now, but I'm still like struggling with my cones. Like I've always liked my cones short and fat. And now yeah. I'm like thinking maybe I like hers better. Like my work turns out better. I think when I use her cones, which are like long and thin. Yeah. Interesting. So just play <laughs> around, play around with it and yeah. figure out what you like and don't just take somebody else's word for it. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I forgot what the third thing I was going to say was. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay. I don't know. Um, maybe there, maybe those are the only two things: good henna and experiment. That's yeah. That's, all, that's already pretty strong advice. And do you have any um, henna mixing disaster stories? Uh no, I don't really think so. At least not that I can recall right now. No, that's good. Oh, the one thing I forgot to ask you is, um, what about the timing for your henna? How long do you let it sit? Do you have it sit in a warm spot? Um, how do you test for dye release? I, I, to be honest, I really don't test for dye release. <laughs> you just I mean, usually when I, usually when surface. I go back to, you know, like I go back and thin out the henna and, you know, do the thing with the egg beater. And mm -hmm. then, um, when I'm, putting it all in a carrot bag mm -hmm. you know I always end up touching some of it anyway just to like wipe off the butter knife or whatever yeah and so I can see I mean I see that it stains me right away it's always really bright orange stain so yeah. I don't I'm not really worried I'm not super paranoid and I don't feel the need to check yeah. it's I know that the ingredients I'm using are the same every time and they're good consistently so yeah. I don't really feel the need to check it every time yeah and over time you know, over the years, you just learn to trust the timing of it. You know that, you know, if you go get it in the following morning, it's probably going to be done. Yeah. 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 So, if, and if I have henna, like, you know, Thursday evening, I just try to mix it up like Wednesday evening. Yeah. Just try to do it about 24 hours before. Yeah. But I, I mean, I mostly just use Rajasthani now. So it, I mean, anyway, the dye release is pretty fast. So yeah. If, yeah, definitely. if I don't get to it 24 hours before, sometimes I'll even push it to like 12 hours. It works out fine. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So last question, when you're mixing up henna, what are the thoughts and feelings that you're experiencing? I don't think I think about it too much. It's just one of those routine things I do. Uh, like I think you said earlier that like you got this random urge to go mix up some henna yeah. and there's no reason why. And I read that and I'm just thinking, really? Like I never get <laughs> I never well, no, get just because I'm interviewing so many people right in a row, it's just like, wow, I just want to get my hands on henna now. Yeah. I got so I don't ideas. I don't really I, it's just something I do because to get to the process of doing henna, yeah. which I love. Yeah. yeah, as for mixing henna, I have no oh, okay. attachment to that. <laughs> Do you feel but, any nostalgia about your childhood in India or anything like that? No, I think I'm well beyond <laughs> that. I mean, I've made so many newer memories with it since then. That's that true. That is true. Not, it's really not what I go back to at all. Yeah. And oh, yeah. yeah, I think it's just like I love, I love the smell of the essential oils. Obviously, that still, you know, you can't help but like keep sniffing. <laughs> Yeah. your henna paste or the oils are on you but other than that I don't have any particular attachments what essential oils do you usually use I like to use like tea tree or cajapet mm -hmm. but more importantly I need some lavender in there oh yeah lavender is yeah. always nice it sweetens yeah. everything up but I think and now because um lavender has gotten so expensive I actually will just order some cheapo whatever lavender just because I just want it for the smell yeah not necessarily for the um you know for the turpin or yeah, turpin the turps, there we yeah, go yeah. yeah so i just order i use like ketchup and tea tree more and mm -hmm. then i just throw whatever lavender in there just for the scent so i'm using yeah. that more as just for the fragrance than for the actual turp purpose yeah that's very nice all right well that's it for my questions thank you so much for jumping on at the last minute and filling a little hole in my time today <laughs> <laughs> it was perfect. Thank you for taking me instead yeah. of taking a break. Yeah, no, it's perfect. I love it. <laughs> and I'm doing Darcy next, so I um I was actually I had just finished with Sarah, and I was like, oh, what am I going to do for half an hour while I'm waiting for Darcy to come on? So it's perfect. <laughs> perfect.
All right. Well, thanks again. And um, hopefully I'll see you in person one day soon. Hopefully. Let okay. me know if you're, you're, I'm still waiting for you to come out here. I like know, you said, I know. We're going to in our last podcast. <laughs> yep, that's the plan. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks. All right. Bye, Harold. Bye. Thanks for listening, and please stay tuned to the next episode, which will be a continuation of this Mixmaster mixtape series. I really appreciate all your comments and support, and I look forward to meeting as many of you as possible at HennaCon in October, so please register so that we can meet. Please also like the podcast on Facebook and review it on iTunes. All of this really helps the podcast evolve. As always, thanks to Nash Kurum for the photos and to Shlomi Cohen for music and the very much needed technical support. See you next episode.